Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter six called Holy, Holy, Holy. sees seraphim, verse 2. They stood above him, each having six wings. That's a creature we've not seen before. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. These seraphim literally mean the burning or the burning ones, and they are there in the temple of the Lord, serving the Lord. Seems to be a very active place. These are the attendants of the Lord, much like a human king would have people attending to him while the heavenly king has angels that attend to him. And there are those who have studied the Hebrew here and looked at these creatures and concluded that these are the worship leaders of heaven. Because you'll see that they sing an antiphonal praise, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. They sing to the Lord. And so these may be the worship leaders in heaven. I'll just let you chew on that a little bit more. But they are there. They stood above him. They have these wings and they they fly around. Uh, This throne room is a busy place and it's filled with one thing that we know uh, eternity will be filled with. It's filled with worship. They are awesome, powerful beings and they are uh, serving the Lord and they are quite a contrast to the king who has just died because he has turned his back on the Lord. Now, maybe he repented after he had leprosy, but they are incredible, amazing beings, and they, in many ways, mock humanity because these incredible beings sing praises all day long to God. The fruit of their lips is giving thanks to his name, and a lot of human beings won't even go to church for an hour on Sunday. And so in many ways, they are a stark contrast, as mighty as they are, the Talmud sees in these creatures four primary forms of life in God's creation. You can reference Revelation 4, where we think they may be the same creatures, and also uh, Ezekiel 1. It is also noted that the 12 tribes of Israel camped under these four banners. These four could also represent the four gospels and there are the four faces and so forth that, that are uh, on these uh, creatures. And I'll let you dig that out a little bit more. Revelation 4 and uh, Ezekiel 1. And they called to one another, they called out to one another and they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God is worthy of worship because God is Holy. And the worship songs, I don't know about you, but for me, that mean the most to me are songs that talk about the holiness of God. When I hear that God is holy, when I hear that God, I, of God's glory, there's something in that. There's uh, music that is directed towards the holiness and glory of God just fills me up like nothing else that I know. And I know praise can take on some different forms, but I'll tell you what, when I enter into worship, Uh, seems like in the most profound and deep ways, it's when I'm singing about God and I'm singing to him about his holiness. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 119 says, holy and awesome is his name. His holiness speaks of his transcendence. God is above everything else. He is holy. Set apart is what 
the word actually means. Separate from his creation, above everything. Holy, holy, holy. And when you, uh, in Hebrew, when you want to stack something and give it um, great uh, uh, profoundness and great uh, gravity, you will use a double repetition. You'll say, holy, holy. But when you do it a third time, this is the exclusive. This is the highest that you can get. And in the superlatives, you see that God is extremely holy. He is the one that makes everything else holy. We call the scriptures the holy scriptures. We call prophets holy prophets. We call garments holy garments. We call things in the vessel in the temple holy vessels. Why? Because anything that God the Holy One, holy, 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 sets apart, He makes that holy. You are called the holy ones of God. Saints. Set apart by God. Hagias, the ones that are holy unto the Lord. Why are you holy? Because you have some holiness in yourself? Because you wear holy socks or holy shoes? No. You are holy because the Holy One, the Holy, Holy, Holy One, and some see in that the Trinity has made you holy. He has set you apart for his special purposes. When Moses walked up and saw the burning bush, God said, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Was the ground holy? Not before God got there, it wasn't. But when God got there, that area became set apart unto the Lord. Are you with me? Anything that is set apart unto God, becomes holy because He makes things holy. So lots of times we think, I'm not holy. Uh, that's only people who have done these special things and they've been somehow you know, chronicled in a book or a museum. <laughs> no, you're holy. You're a saint because God has made you holy. You are holy and beloved of God because the holiness of God has touched your life permeated. And notice it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. This is the song that they sing. And then they say, the whole earth is full of his glory. Though God is holy, he wants his glory to descend. His holiness um, is manifested in glory. The whole what? Earth is full of his glory. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. The creation is a continual display of the glory of God. We know it's fallen. We know it's corrupted. But yet, have you been awe-inspired by going out to the desert or going to the mountains and seeing a bunch more stars than you see in Corona? And have you ever stood there and went, wow? Have you ever looked at the roaring of an ocean or uh, crystal clear waters in somewhere other than our beaches and gone, wow? Have you ever looked at a snow-capped mountain or the beauty of a bird in flight or a sunset where it seems like God took a paintbrush and painted the sky with multiple colors and you just have to stop and go, wow. Well, all of those are simply creations from the Creator. They are imbued with His glory. Are you with me? They display His glory, but they are simply a product of a Creator who is more glorious and more above than them 
He spoke them into existence. That is the being that you're dealing with. That's who Isaiah saw. When he saw him, he was overwhelmed. He saw angels uh, singing of his beyondness, his incredible glory. Who is like the Lord is what comes to mind. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled for. And the vo- at the voice of him who called out, the trembling voice uh, here is the voice of the angel or angels. While the temple was filling with smoke. Now if angels are shaking the building, and the building is shaking probably here as a picture of a response to the glory of God, how much more does the voice of the Lord shake the earth? We, we see it in the book of Exodus when God descends on Sinai and things are quaking and people are quaking. You talk to him for us, Moses. You go first, right? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, Jesus says the sun will be darkened when he returns. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Matthew 24, 29, and 30. And the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and the earth will shake because the God of this universe will come to visit mankind, but much of mankind will be looking at that glory going, "Uh uh-oh, rock, hide me. Cave, keep me safe from the face of the one who's returning. And so when he saw the glory, he said, woe is me, verse five, I am ruined In the light of the glory and holiness that Isaiah just witnessed, he responds, Woe is me, I'm the man. You know, the temptation would be to say in the light of that glory, Woe is all of them. I mean, after all, this is the prophet. But if you want to have a change take place in your life, you must realize that it must start with you. When you see the glory of God, remember when uh, Jesus multiplied the fish and Peter saw it, and he was trembling, and he said, Lord, depart from me, I am a sinful man. And he saw a manifestation of the glory of God. Jesus was God's glory uh, veiled in humanity, right? And we saw that on the Mount of Transfiguration when he gave them that uh, preview of coming attractions, if you will. But Jesus was still in that body. And when he saw just a... uh, uh, A manifestation of that glory. Peter said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Isaiah responds the same way. We hear stories today about people who have seen God and God's dressed in a fireman's suit and they got to put their arm around and comfort Jesus. You know, it'll be okay, Lord, I'm here for you. Are you kidding me? When people see God in the Bible, they're undone. The idea of the word is I'm totally ruined. I am Uh, Just awaiting judgment when people saw the glory of God. You know what they thought was going to happen? They thought they were going to die. And people did die. But others didn't, and they were surprised they were still alive. We saw the Lord, and (laughs) what did they say? We're not dead. See, they knew that in his presence, man, they should be done. And when Isaiah sees the Lord, verse 5, he says, Woe is me. I am no better than anyone else. I sense my own sinfulness in the presence of holiness. Change must start with us. 
And if you want change to start, take a look again at the glory of God. Because it will just totally, um, I think, pierce you to the heart. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. Pastor Michael Lance would like to give you a small gift to help you get in the spirit of Christmas. Pastor Michael's son and worship leader at Living Truth, Pastor Shane Lance, has presented O Holy Night. Long lay the world in sin and you can listen to the full version on YouTube when you visit walkintruth.com. You can also listen to other joyful Christmas songs by Shane Lance like Have Yourself a Very Merry Christmas and a melody of Silent Night and Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which has music you may find very familiar. Those songs and more when you search Shane Lance on Apple Music or Spotify. Visit walkintruth.com to hear the whole song and have a very Merry Christmas from everyone at Walk in Truth. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. I sense my own sinfulness in the presence of holiness. Change must start with us. And if you want change to start, take a look again at the glory of God. Because it will just totally, um, I think, pierce you to the heart. One writer says, the most telling indicator that God's grace is renewing us is not when we say all the right things about his grace but when we stop putting ourselves above others and even above God. I am not that bad. In fact, I'm better than most. Heck, God's just lucky to have me around for one hour every week. God's awakening grace turns us completely around with new thoughts like, my opinion of myself doesn't matter. I'm no better than them. What really matters is where do I stand with God? You see, when you start thinking to yourself, I'm, I'm better than this person. I, but when you are in touch with grace, and we celebrate grace every single day, right? We're so glad for God's grace. But grace makes you realize who you are. Not to think of yourself too highly than you ought to think, right? Because we can catch ourselves in our flesh. Yeah, God, you're blessing me because dot, 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 dot. I'm such a good Christian. Read six chapters of the Bible, witness to a coworker. That's why you bless me. God's like, you need to get back in the throne room. <laughs> you need to take another look. The word woe is an awful word. It's a word of judgment, and it means woe for what's coming. Uh, so many, when they saw God, they would hit the deck. Even John, who spent three plus years with Jesus, when he saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, he fell as though he were a dead man. But he had spent three, three and a half years with Jesus. Why would he be freaked out at the sight of Jesus? Because he saw Jesus in his glory. 
And when he saw Jesus in his glory, he, he fell as though he were dead. And it had to be Jesus touching him and lifting him up. And one of the seraphim flew six to me with a burning or live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar. This is the altar of sacrifice. He took it with tongs. I don't think he took it with tongs because it was going to burn him. After all, he's a burning one. (laughs) I mean, he's an angel, right? A very illuminous being. Why did he take it with the tongs? Because the altar is holy. And he took a coal and he flew directly. Can you imagine the... If you're Isaiah and you're seeing the angels kind of do this flight pattern, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Smoke of the incense. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy. Back and forth they sing. Back and forth they fly. And all of a sudden, one grabs a a coal with some tongs and makes a direct beeline toward you. I was just a participant watching and now he's coming at me. What would you be thinking? It's come time. Woe is me. He's going to kill me, right? But not, he didn't kill him. He touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is forgiven because the woe is me. I am ruined was followed because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen who? The King, the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of the armies of God. See, after he started with him, then he went out to the people. Have you ever been there before? You ever been in a church service, you gone, you've gone home and you watch something on the media, or you see some behavior? Did you all hear about the reporter from CBS? in Egypt, who was treated the way she was. And you look at humankind and you go, are you kidding me? How evil, how dastardly. What would cause a human being to treat another human being that way? And I think that's what Isaiah is saying. He says, not only am I unclean, but I live among a people of unclean lips. I mean... Some of you who work construction or you're in different companies, you know what it means to be among a people of unclean lips. I mean, how many times a day just in our city do you think the name of the holy God of the universe is taken in vain? How many times a day do you think his name is taken down to the level of a four-letter curse word to express disgust? The God that gave us life, and that's what we say about him. See, Isaiah, Isaiah sees it. He sees that not only does he need to be touched, but his generation needs to be touched. He sees the problem. The problem is our lips, but it goes much deeper than our lips because our lips simply testify to our heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. My lips can say one thing, but my heart can be far from the Lord. And that's what Jesus said. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But these people don't even honor God with their lips anymore. They're not even trying to fake it anymore. And boy, is that happening today. We don't even try to cover it up. Chris was uh, preaching last week on a chapter that says we call uh, evil good and good evil. We don't even know how to blush anymore. We don't hide it anymore. And Isaiah says, this is the problem. It's our mouth. Our mouth needs to be touched. And cleansing is a part of commissioning. 
How many of you can say that your mouth has changed since becoming a Christian? Now, we were listening to a speaker over the weekend, and he was honest. He said, sometimes bad words form in the back of my head. Most times they don't come out as a Christian, (laughs) but sometimes they form in the back of my head. Amen? We all got to be honest, right? We're imperfect people, and sometimes they form in the back of our head, and they slip out. And that's going to happen as a Christian. But the more your heart is consecrated to the Lord, the more your mouth will be consecrated to the Lord. See, we need a touch from the Lord. And the, the coal from the altar, the burning coal, comes uh, through uh, held in the tongs, and it touches Isaiah's mouth. And notice what it says. It touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your what? Iniquity is taken away. Taken away is verbiage of the sacrifice. This is verbiage of the scapegoat. The, the root idea of the word forgiveness means literally to send away. That's what it means. Did you know that? That your sin has been sent away? As far as the east is from the west, so far has God, what? Removed our transgressions from us. He's cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Right? And they are sent away. And the angel is giving us a picture of the cross here. A picture of Isaiah's own personal day of atonement. Before you can be used, I must touch your mouth. Jeremiah said, Lord, I'm only a youth. I don't know how to speak. And God said, I'll put my words in your mouth. Moses said, how can I represent Pharaoh to you? I don't know how to speak. I'm not eloquent. God said, who made the mouth? I'll touch your mouth. Some of you have used the excuse, maybe. I'm not eloquent. I don't have the answers to all those deep theological questions. I can't speak well. I think God may be saying to some of you, I'll touch your mouth. Will you step up? You've been listening to Holy, 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 Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the Living Truth app is a great way to stay up to date with what's going on here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. There's Bible studies, family events, and of course, worship services. If you're out of the area, the Living Truth app has a lot for you too, like watching and listening to Pastor Michael's latest teachings. You can download the Living Truth app from your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, Isaiah chapter 6 is just an incredible, amazing passage. And you know, you might have the question, was this just a dream or a vision, or was Isaiah seeing the reality of what happens in heaven? You know, when John gets a glimpse into heaven in Revelation chapter 4, he sees a very similar scene, and that affirms uh, that, that message, I actually called it an open door to heaven when we aired the book of Revelation. That scene confirms that uh, both Isaiah and John were seeing that reality. Now get this, in Isaiah, excuse me, in uh, John chapter 12, John says that what Isaiah saw or who he saw was Jesus. And again, we come back to the triunity of God and the incredible majesty of his uh, triunity, I guess you would say, or the Godhead. And so, yes, uh, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. 
What a life-transforming reality. And one day, my brother, my sister, my friend, if you're in Christ, you will see the Lord. I will see the Lord. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. No more death, no more pain, no more mourning. You know, I'm going to do a memorial service tomorrow for a good brother in the Lord. His name is Daryl. And Daryl is now absent from his body. And he's with the Lord. And how beautiful that what Isaiah saw in chapter 6, Daryl is experiencing. You know, sometimes it's hard to conceive of that. We talk about it and we're like, I believe it. The Bible says it. I believe it. Jesus said it. I believe it. However, <laughs> at a memorial service, sometimes you're like, man. Whew. But you know, what we believe, brethren, is real. There is a heaven. Jesus said there's a heaven. He said, if there wasn't one, I would have told you. John 14, heaven is his father's house. Jesus is the door to the house. Do you know him? Hey, if you haven't met him yet, he's a prayer away. Ask him into your life today. Repent of your sin. Trust in him. If we can help you in any way with walking with the Lord or you have a question, walkintruth.com is the website. Walkintruth.com. You can find out more about the ministry and the church connected to the ministry. And tomorrow we will do part three of Holy, 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 Lord willing, we'll see you right here. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter six called Holy, Holy, Holy. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.